where you found us. Welcome to the Community Church Oxford podcast. We are so honored that you decided to join us. We hope that if you don't have a church home, that you'll find a church home that is a Bible preaching church. However, if you are just checking us out, we're honored that you would do that. We hope that you're encouraged by God's word today. You're also encouraged by the experience that you have through our podcast. If you want to find out more about us, you can check us out at www.communityoxford.com or check us out on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, thank you for joining us today at the Community Church Oxford podcast. Were to get up early, and uh, I did get up early, but I didn't get up as early as I wanted to. Anybody ever, that ever happened to anybody? You know, like you set your alarm clock, you're like, hey, I'm going to get up. I'm excited about getting up, and then you hear it, but you're not near as excited about getting up, okay? And so therefore, um, it kind of it messes you up a little bit. And so anyway, I got up this morning, and I was thinking about us as the church. And I thought about the fact of how important the church is for us. Amen? Like, I don't know about you, but man, I get excited about church. And I know you're saying, well, you're the preacher and, you know, that kind of thing. And if you're not excited about church, then we have a problem. I agree. I agree. But some of you have been to church where the preacher's not excited about church, okay? And we're not going to talk about those experiences. Hopefully that experience has not happened here. But the point that I'm making is, is I was sitting there as I was kind of getting my mind together and go ahead and make the jokes about that, me getting my mind together, my thoughts together, my heart together, my, my, my focus on where God would have us today. And this thought came to me, and and it was one of those thoughts that God just kind of slammed me with, okay? And it was this idea that, man, we need the church. Do you understand that? Like, we as individual followers of Jesus Christ need the church. And then I would wake up, and my verse of the day would be about the church. And as I opened up God's Word and I began to look at the importance of us being a part of the church, it just kind of resonated with me and it kind of, alarms kind of began to go off in my heart and my head. And it reminded me that not only do we need the church, but the church needs us. The church needs us. Do Do you hear that? And so then, usually what happens in my life when a thought comes to my mind, it then either is tweeted or Facebooked or Instagrammed or whatever. And this is what I simply tweeted this morning, and this was it. It's Sunday. You get to worship today. Go to church. You need it, and they need you. Monday is coming when we'll get to be the church. This morning, we need the church. We get to go to church, but tomorrow we get to be the church. Amen? The thing I love about Acts, and y'all, I don't know if you know it it or not, but we made it. And unless the wheels fall off, and with me being involved at all, it could literally happen this morning. But we should be able to get through all 31 verses of Acts 28. Have you ever been on a trip And you were so excited to finally get to where you were going. And I realize some of you, that's like when you leave house and get to work. Because you live so far out, you're so excited to finally get to work. But some of you have traveled, and when I say travel, you've traveled two hours somewhere. I can remember as a kid before four-lane highways were not as 
normal as they are now. The only way you could get from Cleveland, Mississippi to Jackson, Mississippi is you had to go two lane the whole way. And can I tell you something? After you've seen one flat field and another flat field and another grain bin and another grain bin, eventually you just get tired of seeing them. And when you finally get to the big city, you're like, wow, we finally made it. And then as I got older, I would travel further. I would travel four hours to maybe Little Rock to where my aunts and uncles lived. And when we got to the Mississippi River Bridge, we're like, man, we made it to another state. Like, wow. Little did I know it was only an hour from our house to get to that bridge. I can remember my first ever mission trip and getting on an old school bus in Agusagape, Honduras. And 12 and a half hours later, when we finally got to the first village in the mountain, I was so excited we were there. And then the missionary looked at us and said, oh, this is the first village. Tomorrow we will go 10 more hours. And I'm like, what? And many of you know that Javi and I and Ronnie got a chance to go to Peru back in February. We spent 62 hours in a boat on the Amazon in three different rivers. To be honest with you, Chad, I didn't want to see another boat for a long time when I got back from Peru. But man, when we finally got to the Juan P.S. people and the Peruvian stepped off of that boat and went to make sure it was okay that we had permission to come into their village. And we took them Bibles and we took them water filters. All those hours didn't matter anymore. Why? Because we had finally gotten to where we were going. At least we thought we had. What we'll see in Acts 28 this morning is is that Paul has not yet made it to Rome, but he will make it to Rome before the end of this chapter. But what you will realize is, is that the church doesn't stop in Rome, church. The church keeps going and going and going. And I don't know if you know this or not, but it kept going enough that it made it to us. And my prayer this morning is, is that we would be inspired by God's word through the power of his Holy Spirit, that we would be compelled to take the word of God in the church to those that don't have it. Will you pray with me? Father God, I need you this morning. God, you've been so, so good to me, but God, I need you this morning because if I'm real this morning, and God, I hope to be as transparent and as real as I possibly can every time I stand before your people and I have the honor to open up your word, God, I need you this morning. God, sin has been attacking me from every direction. God, forgive me for that. God, I've been in some battles, and I don't always have to be right, so forgive me for that. And God, if I'm just as transparent with you as I can be today, God, sometimes I'm not very good as a husband or a father, and so therefore, God, that means I'm not very good as a pastor, and God, I need you to fill me up this morning because I need you to use me today. God, forgive us all. Give us clean hands. Give us clean hearts because we want to ascend your hill this morning. We want to stand in your presence. God, we can't do that dirty. So clean us up. Fill us up. And God, you do what you do. Show up, show out in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, hey, thanks for the text this week.
And these were good texts. I'm not saying that all the texts are always bad, but sometimes I love your opinions. You know what I like about opinions, right? We all got them. You know what God thinks about opinions? Turn to the book of Revelation and tell me if there's a first and second opinions at the end. There's not. Okay? But we have them, and that's okay. We can express them. But thank you this week that you said, hey, preacher, why don't you lose your notes every week? And if you were with us last week, you knew that I lost my notes, or I didn't lose my notes. This thing lost my notes, and still they're somewhere in the cloud. I still hadn't found them. But I got your messages. I appreciate the encouragement. Man, we want you to lose your notes more often. I'm not sure what that says about my sermons before that, Clay, but undoubtedly last week must have been good, and I didn't use notes very well, Randy, so therefore I appreciate y'all letting me know that I really don't need notes. But can I share something with you? You have no idea how badly I need notes. The Holy Spirit is good, amen? But I don't want to put the Holy Spirit to the test every single week where at least I know that I have prepared and I've put it on paper, but I want to be used by God, amen? Acts chapter 28, beginning in verse 1. After we were brought safely through, brought safely through what? A shipwreck. Remember the way 27 ended? They had run up on a reef, the ship began to tear apart, and they go, hey, you that can swim, jump overboard. You that can't, might be a good idea to find something that floats. Verse 1, after we, brought, we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. In the Greek terminology, Malta means refuge. If you've gone through what these men and these prisoners had gone through, you were grateful for a refuge. The native people showed, un, showed us unusual kindness, Luke says. For they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shocked off, he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But that when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of the place where lands were belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, or Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius or Publius lay sick there, sick with fever and dysentria or dysentria or dysentria or D-hard word, however you want to say it. And Paul visited him and prayed and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when, his, when, he had, when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had the diseases also were cured and they also honored us greatly when we were about to sail. They put on board whatever we needed. So the section of this section of text in Acts 28, there's two sections. First, there's Paul the helper, Wearsby says. There's Paul the helper in verses 1 through 10. Paul's still not there yet. 
Paul's going to Rome. Why? Because God told him he needed to go to Rome. Why? Because the gospel needed to be taken to Rome. Church, I have a question for you. Where's, gospel, where's God calling you to take the gospel to? He's not there yet. He's got to take the gospel to Rome. He's already written the letter to the Romans, but he's got to get to Rome. He's got to be with the Romans because he's got to take the gospel there. Where is God telling you to take the gospel to this morning? Guys, it's Sunday. We get to be the church. We get to worship in the church. We get to gather as a church. But Monday's coming when we get to be the church. And I'm really giving us a little bit of get-out-of-jail-free card there because reality is, is as soon as you walk out of this place, that's when you get to be the church. You don't have to wait till Monday to take the gospel somewhere. Paul, the helper, after they were brought safely through, they learned that the island was called Malta, which means refuge. I'll never forget our first day on the river. And it wasn't actually a day, it was a night. We got on the Amazon about 7 o'clock that evening. The next day at 1.30 p.m. in the afternoon, we got off our first boat. We get on land, and I don't know if you know this or not, but we don't look like most Peruvians. Javi did. And usually when they see Westerners or Americans, they go, he must have money. I didn't have a neon sign above my head that says I'm a preacher. That would have helped them understand that I was broke, okay? Just kidding. Y'all take very good care of me. But the point I'm making is they automatically think Americans have money. We get on a tuk-tuk, which is a three-wheel motorcycle. We drive to what we call a hostel, not better known as the Holiday Inn, but can I tell you something? It was one of the nicest hostels that we've ever stayed in because at this point, I didn't care what it looked like. I was not on a boat anymore. I could see what was going on around me. Imagine your first ever long boat experience on the Amazon and it's dark. And then when the, the sun finally comes up, we hit what we would call a sandbar and we get stuck on the boat in the Amazon. And wouldn't you know that the only person that would get out and help one of the Peruvians is the white preacher from, the, from Mississippi. He would get out of the boat and think that he needed to help the Peruvians get their boat unstuck. And Javi is communicating to me after he's taken everything out of his pockets. Ronnie is asleep in the side of the boat. He's not even paying attention to what's going on. And then we're in the water and we're pushing it. Ronnie looks at me and goes, do you know what's in the water? Ronnie, not a cool time to be funny, brother. We still hadn't made it. But when we finally made it to that town and we got to that hostel and we found out that it actually had air condition, it's 100 degrees. It is hot. We are tired. It was a refuge. And can I just be honest with you? We didn't even shipwreck. We just ran up on a sandbar. 
Paul and the other 276 people, or 75, because he would have been the 76th person, they had shipwrecked, they had to swim, they had to find something to hold on to, they finally made it safely through, and they find themselves on an island called Malta, better known as Refuge. Tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. And then I love this, verse 2, the native people showed us unusual kindness, because I don't know if you know this or not, some places that you end up, they might not be as kind as these people were. They showed them unusual kindness, it says. For they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. And I want you to see something here. Why did they survive in the first place? Anybody remember? Just think about it. Paul told them that they would survive. Why? Because God had a mission. They were about to throw people overboard. People were about to drown. People were about to die. That's what we normally do, church, when a storm comes or difficulty comes. We get caught up in the, the storm around us and we forget who's in the storm with us. But Paul stops them and says, wait, man, you didn't listen to me the first time in 27 when I told you not to go on this trip, but you listened to me the second time, and guess what? We shipwrecked, but all of us survived. Paul, in all accounts, y'all, should not have been the one about to gather sticks, amen? Like, they should have said, hey, Paul, you get the closest seat to the fire. One oh. The natives bring us something to eat. We're going to eat and make sure we don't die first because you have done so much for us. But that's not who Paul is. Paul is a servant, a helper before he's a preacher. Look at what verse 3 says. When Paul had gathered a bundle of six and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. And I love what it says in verse 4. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. No doubt he's a murderer. And then they say he might have escaped the sea, but he definitely will not escape the viper. But there's one thing that the natives don't understand. They don't know who Paul is. Church, I think too often we have this agenda to let people know who we are. And if we'll just be who we are in Christ, God will be lifted up and honored in our life because of how we serve and how we help. And we won't have to gain any notoriety. God will bring the attention to us. Why? Because we're bringing the attention to him. And there's something that jumps out in this verse, and we have seen this all through Acts Look at verse, well, right after that, it says, no doubt this man is a murderer. This is verse 4. Though he had escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. As I'm reading this this week, as I'm listening to this this week, I get to that line and it says, justice has not allowed him to live. And I'm thinking, how often have I heard that word lately? justice? How amazing is it that we would find ourselves in a book that was written some 
50 years, 60 years, or actually it was taking place some 50 or 60 years after the life of Christ, after the death and resurrection of Christ, and now we find ourselves in 2020 in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of, of a social and social divide, in the midst of some racial tensions, in the midst of so many divisions, and all we keep hearing is justice, justice, justice. And church, I want you to hear me. If you are looking for man to bring you justice, you will never find it, but God will eventually bring justice, either here or there, or you will see see justice when you stand before him. You know why I ask for forgiveness? Because God knows my junk. I don't care if you do. Because I'm so more worried about displeasing him than I am displeasing you. But they're going, he can't escape it. And church, can I tell you something? We can't either. God will not put up with injustice. But God is the judge. We are not. So quit judging. Please hear me say that I'm saying it to myself. Quit judging. Who am I to say this or that? I am not the judge. God is. Justice is coming. And so the natives are like, he escaped the sea. Justice not allowed it, has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Have you ever noticed how we play this game? We go, man, for sure God's going to get that one. And God's going to do that to this, situ- the, 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 this group. And man, I'm so thankful God allowed me to escape that. Church, you didn't escape anything. That's called grace. If you got through something, you weren't sharp enough. You weren't sneaky enough. You weren't good enough. That was grace that got you through that. Can you imagine the natives? They welcome this guy. They welcome this big group of people that have just washed up on the shore. They have survived a shipwreck. They have got a fire. They're feeding them. And Paul gets up, goes and gets some sticks. While he's grabbing the sticks, a viper latches onto his hand and they're like, he did. And Paul goes, That was a sound effect in case you missed that. Not a very good one, but that's what it was. And he just throws off the snake. And they're just waiting on the brother just to swell up and die. What happens? Well, let's keep reading. Though he escaped from the sea, verse 4 says... Justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, verse 5, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Many theologians think that the reason he survived this, or not theologians, but many will debate this, that the reason that Paul survived this is because there's two islands in this area of the Mediterranean, and one is called Malta and one is called something else, and they think that Malta actually didn't have the vipers, but this other island did. And so it wasn't actually a viper, it was just a snake. I don't know if you know this or not, but one thing I've learned about going into native people's lands, you, you, you might not be a native, but you better learn how to walk like a native, talk like a native, and wherever they go, you better go with them. We're walking through the jungle, and I see this guy in front of us, and Javi, I don't know if you remember, but there's this guy in front of us, and he's making all the steps for us, and finally I asked the other interpreter with me besides Javi, I said, 
what is he doing? He's looking for the snakes that will kill you so that you don't actually step on them. I, I, I don't know what we're paying him, but can we get him a raise? Another thing I learned in that village, a kid stepped on a very thorny bush. We're in with the Wampias people. I mean, I'm talking about we deep, 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 deep in the jungle. We're very close to the Ecuador border, okay, where one great missionary died not many years before that, trying to take the gospel to these people. And this kid is screaming, and this kid is crying, and what does a dad naturally do when he sees a kid cry? He just goes and picks up that kid, and that's what I did, and I'm trying to comfort this kid. And one of the people that we're working with, I called this our Rambo Jesus missionary of Peru, because he had climbed over the mountains to get to where we were. We had taken the boat. And he looked at me. He takes the kid out of my hands, and he does it like this. He goes... And I'm thinking, kid got something I don't know about? And Javi begins to tell me that what he's saying is, is that the native people think that the white man are ghosts, and if they see the ghost has got their kid, they will think that you are trying to take their kid, and they will kill you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Cry, little man, I'm sorry, can't help you. Mama! Are you with me? But you follow the natives. Why? Because you don't want to mess up. And the natives are like, he's going to die. When he doesn't die, he's a god. You might be wrong and you might be right. But let me tell you what you're not. You're not a god. You might serve God. You might be God's best friend. You might be his chosen servant. You might be his chosen helper. But the, the roles never change. He doesn't become the servant and you become God. You're always the servant and he's always God. And Paul knew that. He knew that he was the helper. Now verse 7. Now in the neighborhood. I love this terminology in the ESV. They are in a village off the island of the Mediterranean Sea called Malta. And it says, in, now in the neighborhood of the place where the land's belonging to the chief man, I'm thinking about how many people that live in the suburbs and they're like, oh man, they had a neighborhood? I wonder if they had a fresh market. I wonder if they had a Walmart or a Target. I wonder if they had a K. Rogers or a or Larson's Cash Saver. I wonder if they had a Dollar General. For you that live in the county, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When we, got a, when we got a Dollar General in Abbeville, no need to come to Oxford. We good. And now they've upgraded it. But when you see this and you see neighborhood, you're like, oh, it's a neighborhood. No, it's just saying in the neighboring communities, in the, in the close proximity of the place where the land's belonging to the chief man on the island named Publis, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publis lay sick with a fever and dysentery, or dysenter, however you want to say it. I know it's killing some of y'all that I can't pronounce that. Forgive me. And Paul visited him and prayed and putting his hands on him, healed him. 
And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. Do you remember, church? There's been a shipwreck. They had lost their bags. They had lost their stuff. They had lost their food. They had lost everything. They've been here for a while now. They're getting ready to set sail so they can get to Rome because they got to get to Rome. And these people who welcomed them into this place called Refuge, called Malta, is now sending them out, and they're sending them out with everything that they need. By the way, we don't hear that these people are believers. Fair or not fair? We don't hear that they got a village church in this village. What we hear is is that these natives welcomed them with an unusual hospitality. And here's what's amazing. When you walk like Christ, you talk like Christ, you love like Christ, and you pray in the name of Christ, you can be guaranteed whatever needs you have, God will use the most unusual people in your life to provide your needs. Why? Because God is the great provider. Why is Paul the helper and the servant here? Because Christ is the model of what it looks like to be a helper and a servant. He said, I came into this world not to to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom. That's one of the reasons we value service here at Community Church is because Christ modeled for us how to serve. We ought to serve others in the same way that Christ has served us. So if you're a college student here today and you're visiting for the first time, hey, if you're looking for a church to get plugged into and to serve alongside, with and to be a part of the hands and feet of Jesus in the body of Christ, you found the right place. But if you are looking for a church where you come and you sit and you fill up on worship and you maybe get a little good preaching every once in a while when Deshaun or Chad teaches, and maybe, just maybe, I'm not saying you can't do that here, but God's called us to be his hands and his feet. Amen? So we see Paul as this helper and this servant. What we're about to see is he's about to become a preacher. Look at verse 11. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island of the ship of Alexandria. And with the twin gods as a figurehead, and just real quick, there were these twin gods and, 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 and the Greek goddesses. And the reason that they put these twins on is because these Greek gods, these twins represented protection. And they put them on the front of the boat because I don't know if you know this or not. We have learned and seen through the book of Acts that Paul has experienced many shipwrecks. And they were willing to put their trust in any type of protection. So they put these carved twin gods on the front of the ship called Alexandria. And putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and arrived in Regium or Regum. And after one day, a south wind sprang up. On the second day, we came to Petilia, or P. Hardwood. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. So we came to Rome. So we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they had heard about us, came as far as Forum of Apius and three taverns to meet us. So seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. We made it. We're in Rome. Verse 15 says, 
excuse me, verse 16 says, and when, he, when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with a soldier who guarded him. I don't know about you, but after a long trip, I just want to rest. Paul does that for three days, but what we're about to see here in verse 17 is, is it says that after three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. And when they examined me, they wished to see me at liberty, because there was no reason for death penalty in my case, but because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, we have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you, but we desire to hear from you what your views are, for we regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. And you know what I love about this? This is the reason Paul came to Rome. Right here. This is the reason Acts, the reason we titled it the gospel Acts, the gospel on the move, is because the gospel had to come to Rome. It had to get to this place. Listen to what it says. But we desire to hear from you what your views are for the regard of the sect. We know that everywhere it is spoken against. So Paul, we've heard about what God's done in you. We've heard about what God's doing in you. We know that it took you great measures to get here. We want to hear what you got to say. No place have I ever been have I not been asked to speak. Many places we go might have churches, but many places we don't go, but they still want me to speak. You know why? Because they know that we have come from afar and they want to hear what I got to say. That is God, church. That is the Holy Spirit. That is the church being the church. That is God moving where he wants us to move. But pick up with me in verse 23. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging for, in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Church, here's what I want you to see. When they appointed the day for him, they came to him at the lodging in great numbers. And listen to what it says. From morning till evening, he expounded to them. i never forget my first time to China. I'm getting to work with an underground church because you can't actually have church in China or they'll kill you. And I remember meeting in a hair salon. Some women just got an idea. Honey, I, I'm not going to the hair salon and get my hair done. I'm going there for Bible study. But when you come back with different color hair from the hair salon, they know that you didn't go to Bible study, okay? But we're in this hair salon like kind of the bad neighborhoods where they roll down the garage door and they put the locks on and that kind of thing so people can't break in. We got the door down because we don't want them to get in because of what we're doing. And for five hours, I got to teach. And you know how often I saw their eyes? Hardly ever. Because the whole time they had their heads down and they were writing note by note by note by note by note. I never thought that I was a great teacher. That day they made me feel really good though. Why? Because they so wanted to know the scriptures. I didn't say it, scripture said it. From morning till evening, they expounded it. You know what's so crazy, church? If I told you next Sunday, we're going to gather at nine and we're not going to get out until six that night, 
about four of y'all might show up. And three of those would say, are we going to break for lunch? But they wanted to know why. Why did they want to know? Because they knew that there had to be a reason that Paul went through everything that he went to to get to them. There had to be a message. There had to be a reason for him to do this. And it was. In church, there's a reason why we do what we do. It's to take the gospel to the people around us at whatever cost, at whatever circumstance. Why? Because the gospel is moving, and that's what the church does. And it says, he expounded to them and testified to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed, and after Paul had made one statement, the Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet. He goes back 700 years before Jesus, and this is what he says. Go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. For the, this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. God said that to Isaiah, and so Isaiah shared that in his letter, in his book. And then look at verse 29, or 20, yeah, 29. Therefore, let it be known to you. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. It's like Paul is saying, hey, look, I didn't come all this way for those who call themselves the people of God to reject the word of God. And if you won't listen to it, I guarantee you the Gentiles will. Why? Because it's a light into the darkness. It's death to life. It's old to new. It's transformation. Why? Because that's what Jesus does. He does something that we ought to be willing to build our life on. He does something so that we ought to be willing to build our reputation on. He does something so that we ought to be willing at whatever cost to go. And listen to verse 30. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. I know we're wanting to know what happened to Paul. We're wanting to know what happened when he stood before Caesar. Well, undoubtedly, they let him go. But don't worry, it won't be long. He'll get locked up again. Why? Because he's willing to preach the gospel no matter what. You know why? Matthew 28 28, 20, look at what it says. Jesus says to them, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know why Paul kept preaching? You know why Paul kept serving? Because he knew that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father would be with him forever. Church, you know why we gather as a church? So that when we leave here, we can go be the church. 
You know why the gospel has been moving up to this point? It's not that we would hoard it for ourselves and that we would keep it for ourselves like we've got something special and other people don't get to experience it. We have it so that we would give it away. If we want justice and we want peace, that only comes through Jesus, period. Church, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you are spewing hate, then you do not know the Jesus to which I follow. If you are for murdering of innocent people, and you say that you love Jesus, you and I are not following the same Jesus. For God is the judge, and God will bring justice. And I can guarantee you this, you better be thankful if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, that not only is he your Savior, your Lord, your King, your Alpha, your Omega, Omega, he's also your attorney, and he will stand before your judge and say, this one is with me. So the church is not done moving. It's only really beginning. The question is, will you join us as we run after being the church and telling as many people as possible about the hope and power and salvation that comes under the only name under heaven and under the sun and, and to all the earth? That name is Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father, forgive us. For we have made much about the church, but we have not made much about the mission of the church. God, we can have signs, we can have billboards. We can have vans, we can have buses, we can have offices, we can have t-shirts, we can have stickers. But God, if we are not being the church, then we've made much about the church instead of being the church. So forgive us, Lord. And God, may we learn through Paul in Acts 28 that even though we serve and we give and we sacrifice, there will still be many that will not listen. But we keep preaching and we keep teaching and we keep serving. Why? Because the gospel must keep moving. God, may we be the people that move the gospel as your church, as your hands, and as your feet. Pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. My name is Fish Robinson. I'm the lead pastor here at Community Church Oxford. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Community Church Oxford podcast. We hope that you'll consider joining us again in the future. And until then, God bless.